Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Today I'm chatting with Kim Stevenson for Marcus and I've only just met Kim only a week or two ago at a dinner that was organised by a mutual friend of ours, the gorgeous Grace Costa. And I just struck an instant connection with Kim. I got to sit next to Kim and I want to know all about how she does life, but I want to know how she helps her clients do life as well. And just a really quick little intro. Kim has an interesting story and we didn't have enough time at dinner to find out about it, but Kim's a first time mum at 38 years of age. She's a recent gold medalist at the IPL World Powerlifting Championships. And this is the bit I really want to dive into deeply with is coaching to emotional eaters who seem to just find it really tricky to get off that dieting merry-go-round. So I can't wait to dive in, Kim. How are you? Welcome. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So as you guessed at dinner, we just clicked about just everything and we get passionate about and then we got so engrossed in conversation. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. And then I was received your invite to come on your podcast and I thought that was amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love connecting. I really love connecting. Like I love connecting with all women and I am genuinely intrigued as to how they do life. Yes. And you're I'm super, super intrigued as to how you do <laughs> awesome. life. So I'm going to going to quickly dive in. What was it like being a first time mum at 38? So I grew up in an area where most of my friends had kids really, really early in life. And I knew for me, really at the beginning, I didn't want to have kids because I'd gone through a lot of childhood trauma. And for me, it was, well, how can I raise a child if I've got all these unresourceful behaviors and habits and like binge drinking, binge eating, partying, just really, really unresourceful habits. And I was just a train wreck. And then I started into the self-development world. I got a therapist. I dealt with a lot of that childhood stuff that was causing all that unresourceful behavior. And I'm like, oh, I'm okay. (laughs) And I can actually have children. And I'm not going to repeat those behaviors and patterns. And like domestic violence was part of the cycle, my grandmother, my mother, and I was very adamant I was going to break that cycle. But also through that process, I picked up those unresourceful behaviors and thoughts and beliefs. So when I actually dealt with all that, it was like a weight had been lifted and was like, I'm going to be an okay mum. I am going to be an okay mum. I can do this. And then 
long story short, I went on 49 different dates to find my husband because I was very particular having gone through all that childhood trauma was how do I find the right man to be the father of my child? And that was really, really important to me, morals and values and standing. So I, after 49 dates, found my husband and we married in 2019 and had Natasha in 2020. So. Oh, oh my gosh. I love hearing that. I love, I want to wind back a little bit. Mm, absolutely. Do you recall what the, the impetus was like you knew you didn't want to repeat the cycle of what you had experienced mm. in life. Do you recall back to what some of that decisions were for you? What the decisions were to say, I'm, I don't want to live life like this anymore. Or was it as simple as going, I don't want to live life like that anymore? It was actually, I did have one particular first boyfriend, you know, when you're young, yeah. you're a teenager and you have, and he had a real anger problem yeah. and I'd gone off with a friend and he'd got really jealous and he lashed out. And I'm like, no, I know this pattern of behavior. I am not doing this. So for me, I was able to identify the patterns because I'd lived it. And I'd already at a young age known that I wanted something more. And that's why I left the Sunshine Coast, which is a tiny little town of Noosa where I grew up, beautiful seaside town and great holiday spot. But not somewhere if you want a future and if you want to grow out of your current work, like home environment and go for work that's beyond hospitality and nothing wrong with hospitality. I did it for many years, but I wanted something more. And I've always had that something inside me that wants more. And after obviously I do a lot of self-analyzation and looking at all my stuff, part of that had to come from not having a biological father around me. Uh, he left when I was two and I had this I'm not enoughness. Yes. So part of that was also always chasing the next promotion. So I moved out to Uluru when I was 20 and I started as a housekeeper, which is quite low in the pecking order. And I finished as a supervisor because I was always chasing the next big thing. What is the next big goal that's going to fulfill me? Because I didn't feel like I was enough myself. Now, when I chase big goals, it's just to make me happy, not to fulfill this oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough feeling. I don't need all the accolades to go, I am enough. I now do it because I want to and because I love to. And also to show Natasha what's possible as well. Like two years postpartum, I'm up on the world stage, powerlifting and coming away with gold. So when I tell my little daughter that she can have, be, do anything that she wants to, I lead by example because kids actually listened to your voice, but they listen much, much closer to your actions and what you actually do. So for me to go, yeah, I love you. You're very important, but mommy's training is also important. She comes along with me and I lead by example. And I really want to install that in a lot of my clients and those that are listening to you, that if you have young children or teenage children, even they're the ones listening and watching and they are watching every single thing that you do. So if you're going to chase your dreams, you're going to lead by example for them to be able to do the same thing. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And it sounds like um, it's interesting that, you know, not having a biological father present when you were mm. young, being able to identify what some of the the patterns and mm. maybe the reasons for those patterns, sometimes we, it, it's a bit tricky to identify what the actual reason is. But when we, yeah. we look at what the, the pattern is, 
and is that resourceful or is it unresourceful? I like yeah. how you place that. And a lot of your listeners probably can relate to that, like workaholism and driving, driving, driving so hard in their work environment to go after the next promotion or whatever it is that it's to the point of burnout because they're fulfilling that need to be loved and accepted. And I was having a coaching call with one of my clients and she was at that burnout stage. And through all of our work, she realised, oh, I'm actually still chasing that masculine approval and it just so happens that my boss is masculine, is male, that all this workaholism is actually derived from that need. We need to go fix that now. And then we obviously went on that tangent with her coaching. So I just thought I'd share that in case some of your listeners can relate. Yeah, I I would, without a doubt, I'm sure there's a lot of them that will relate. And it's for Mm. me, it's about knowing what your why is. Yes. Why are you doing something? So what you said before is it's you still have goals, you yes. still work hard, but the reasoning for it or the intention, the why behind yeah. it is now different. It's not about proving yourself or it's not about external. Yeah, it's not external. It's not about getting validation from mm. others. It's about doing it for you. And yes. I love, love that so much. Love that so much. I'm going to also just, you mentioned about um, you went on 49 dates. Did you have a criteria for what you wanted in a partner? And this may sound fickle to some people. I didn't want someone with kids that didn't smoke, didn't drink. Christian faith was important to me and must be driven. They must train in some capacity because my highest value at that stage was health and fitness. I'm not going to mesh that well or live my lifestyle or life with someone that doesn't value health and fitness. Yeah. My partner, he doesn't train in a gym. He trains at home. We've got an amazing home gym and he's committed to training. He doesn't have to be an elite level athlete. Yeah. It's all about just eating well because that's like you share mealtimes together. And if one person's eating chips and hamburgers and the other one wants to eat healthy, it just makes life a heck of a lot harder. Yeah. Do you know what I hear there? I hear that you're very clear about um, your values and what's important mm. to you. And it was about attracting somebody who was in alignment with those values as well. And one of the things I do when I'm talking with people about what they want to attract in their life is how do they want to feel? So it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. with a relationship, you know, I want to attract somebody, you know, six foot four, dark hair, whatever. That's my husband. He's six <laughs> foot four and got dark hair. <laughs> how tall are That's you? hilarious tell that you actually tell say that. Tell how tall you are. How tall are you? I'm five one. Yeah, five one, <laughs> which makes me great for powerlifting, but yes. it's just hilarious that you say exactly that. Yes, exactly is, yeah. Because what I often get people to do is to say, well, how do I want to feel in the relationship? Mm. I want to feel, you know, an equal. I want to feel yes. loved. I want to feel that all the the bits, all the the bits there. So I think that's yeah. similar to what you were saying. It's about being yeah. clear, of, and it's the same as whether it's a relationship we're attracting. Yeah. Or whether it is the next job or promotion exactly. or the home or the lifestyle, it's about when we get clear, then we can, we're more likely to attract what we want. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I just want to circle back yeah. to the value around food and just share yeah. something that I retrained the way I thought and food was about respect for my body. So trashing it with takeaway food and chocolate and any other unhealthy food, that wasn't respecting my body. And it was learning to respect the inside of me and the outside of me. Because I 
in my 20s, I smoked and I drank and trashed my body completely. So it was reframing that food is fuel for my body. And it also is a way that I show myself that I love myself by giving it good, healthy, nourishing food that's going to enable me to have energy and be vibrant. So it's just that having that reframe may, just listening to this, may help other people reframe the way that they have a relationship with food. If you can just start that, that will help people move forward. And can I take that even a bit broader? I I absolutely agree. Um, It's about respecting not just our bodies, ourselves and the life that we're living. For me, life is very sacred and it's about, honouring that sacredness of life. So when you're talking about respecting what you put into your body, for me it's about respecting how I live my life and how I choose to live my life. And my kind of mantra is about, you know, creating the most, uh, your best and most beautiful life that you can. And if you're going to do that, then it's about honouring who you are, but everything that's happening there. As well, and so it's sort of the, yeah, it's the yeah. same, um, same concept. So tell me about your weightlifting. So powerlifting, I've. Oh, sorry, powerlifting. <laughs> I did make that. Weightlifting is the Olympic lifting that you see in the Olympics. Powerlifting yes. is just your squat bench and deadlift. Yes. So I started about nine years ago off the back of bodybuilding because yes. bodybuilding, again, that was that pursuit for perfectionism. Yes. I'm a, recovered perfectionist let's say so because that was bodybuilding is the prime of oh let's be absolutely perfect and get judged for it which was also all that unresolved childhood trauma and stuff with my biological father so I then moved into powerlifting because I still loved the gym and loved training and then I did my first international combat in 2014 so just a year later after starting and I'm gifted in the fact that I have really short arms, very mobile back. I'm an ex-gymnast and I love training. So put all that together. That's how I became the queen of bench and had, I've got numerous Australian records, Commonwealth Oceania records and finished top four and just recently gold at the world championships. So, which I love. love, Yes, you just... For those listening on the podcast, you need to jump over to Kim's Insta and socials <laughs> and just check out just what a dynamo she is. And for those that are watching on the, the YouTube, you'll actually see the, just the gorgeous energy that you have. Show us your <laughs> Thank arms. You. Can you show us your arms? <laughs> yeah, they're good arms. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what you said there too is that your perfect for powerlifting you've got short arms you've got a flexible back and you're driven yeah I'm an ex-gymnast it's almost like knowing what your gifts are yeah and then where you can utilize them so that's part of your gifts is utilize them in the the powerlifting but you also help other people in that space too don't you and the emotional eating coaching I absolutely want to find out more about that I'll talk a little bit about clients and strength training. So there's some really great lessons. First of all, when you start strength training, guess what happens? Your shoulders come back. Mm -hmm. You have a more upright posture. So you appear more confident. And then the serotonin runs through your body much more fluidly. And therefore, it just has this flow-on effect. And I've seen that in so many of my clients. They walk taller because 
overall their posture is stronger as well. You also learn how to fail faster. Have a great relationship with failure because that means that you can get back up and keep going instead of just making it mean all these terrible things about you. So that's why I love to teach women. And that's why I haven't given up as much as it would be easy to have an online business just coaching women. I still have my foot in the door in the gym because I love seeing them have their personal bests. They, I had a comp a couple of weekends ago where I was coaching and it's just, I love the feeling of seeing these women just go out and push boundaries and for my mum clients to have something other than their kids. This is my goal and I'm working on this and it gives them direction and purpose and focus. And yeah, that's what I love about not only doing it for me, but teaching others how to do it. And it's more than just the powerlifting, isn't it? It's what that yeah. represents. It's like you said, it's about personal bests. Whatever the result yes. is, it's their personal best. And it's yes. about having a measurement of being able to move forward and grow and, you know, attain goals. So there's a whole lot of goal setting yeah. that comes in into Absolutely. that as well. Like you said, failing fast, that, you know, we don't always win at everything. Mm. And it's about how we become resilient to be able yes. to get back up but I think what I what's that saying it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down the important thing is when you get back up and exactly I, I think that for many gosh lots of my clients me mm. um, included <laughs> you know I've had lots of setbacks and life hasn't always worked out how I've wanted it to mm. and it's about how I deal with and respond to that yes and I've I've said this many a time. I have my five minute pity party. I let myself be (laughs) you know sad and angry and all the emotions. But But that's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. It's healthy to feel those emotions. And if it's five minutes or two hours, that's right, yeah. Feel the emotions because I'm on the other end helping my clients not eat those emotions and learn how to feel. It's okay to feel angry. Like society tells us, oh, be a good little girl and smile and pretend everything's okay, where, Mm. no, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. All these negative emotions, they're okay to feel. Not okay that it can spiral you out of control. So, like, one of the things I talk about with my clients is put a time frame on it. Like you said, the five-minute pity party or longer if you need. Yeah, you do quite often longer than five minutes. I'm you don't sure. want it more than 24 hours in yeah. my experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been stuck in ones where it's just like, man, i got to get out of this. Like it is just, yeah, just the funk is like I do not want to be here. And yeah. that's where I reach out to my people that help me to shift through yeah. stuff that I can't shift through myself because we can't do it always ourselves. No. And that's why I guess in that coaching. We get blinkers and yeah. then we can't see yeah. Yeah, I, I find that a lot that personally that I can't get myself through everything. I can get myself through a lot, but yeah. there are some things that it's just like, no, nah, I need to bring in the big guns. Yes. I need my yeah, my other buddies to help me. And you're right that not it's not healthy to stay stuck or stagnant mm. in that, the, yeah. the bits that are not working for us, that are not feeling great. So yeah. I've shifted, and, and I've said this on a, a couple of podcasts, but I've really shifted my thinking around the emotions is I really honor them like I allow them I honor them I sit with them and it doesn't feel comfortable all the time like quite often I'm just wanting to like man I want to get out of this just gloopy feeling (laughs) but I've learned that you know honoring them because they're important but it doesn't mean that they have to hang around exactly and 
it's like if you say don't think of a pink elephant you're going to think of a pink elephant so acknowledging them and knowing that they're in the room with you is okay yeah they can come visit yeah yeah. They just can't reside and stay. That's no, the only we thing. We don't they can't set up camp. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the emotional eating coaching that you do. Mm-hmm. What, how did you get into that? Was that sort of through the journey of your own healing? Yes. Well? yes. So I proudly say that I've been binge free since 2011. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of work to get to that point. So that was a lot of self-reflection. That was therapy. That was uh And I found it was actually a hypnotherapist slash life coach that helped me. And that's what inspired me to do the life coaching because I'm not dissing counsellors and psychologists. I just didn't find the right one for me. It's like mixing paint. You've got to find the right one. And I didn't get the right shade that I wanted. So this worked really well for me. So I invested $30,000 with her and I went on that journey and it was it was dealing with all that childhood stuff. So a lot of our coding and our thoughts and beliefs and everything that we make believe about ourselves happens from the ages of zero to seven. And then we spend the rest of our lives backing up those thoughts and beliefs and what we made certain situations mean about us. And then that's where I come in with my clients because it's that emotion that they're currently eating, but actually it goes back further than that. Where does that come from? And like I was talking to a client and I'll just use this as an example for her we were talking yesterday it was about safety so someone she's contractor someone at work got fired so she was really worried about her position and there's the COVID stuff coming around as again as well so she again felt unsafe I'm like okay but where does this origin and she ate those feelings yeah and luckily we have a coaching call every single week so we don't let it spiral out of control Mm -hmm. and it comes from her childhood of not being safe and having to move all the time so any uneasiness shows up as I'm not safe. So we did the work around there, forgiving her parents, forgiving her mum for feeding her every time they moved. She fed them so that uneasy feeling got fed with food. Then we forgave the situation and then we created some mantras and enabled her to move forward. A lot more other things yeah, yeah, came yeah. into it, but there's some of those are the key things that we work through. And because she's done a lot of work with me, she can jump through the hoops really quickly. Mm-hmm. So it is what's happening in this current situation. Where do those limiting thoughts and beliefs come from? What did you make that mean about you as a mini me? And doing that in a child work and looking after mini me, because mini me was the one that was scared. Yes. Not adult me. And you're the author in your story. You're not the actor. Mm-hmm. So let's go back and help mini me so you can become the actor instead of just running this story that, oh, I'm not safe. And she's like, really? I could take a year off and I've got enough money saved so I could take a year off. I'm If I lose my job, I'm safe. But Minnie Me was running the show. Minnie Me was screaming, going, hey, we're not safe, we're not safe. It's like, okay, Minnie Me, let's sit you down. We'll have a chat. You're okay. You're safe. Now we can move forward. Yeah. So that's I, some of the work that I do. Yeah, no, I get. I it's hard, isn't it, to sort of articulate mm. the, the yeah all the elements, but it's almost identifying what the behaviours are, mm. and then what are the triggers around those yes. behaviours and what's underneath that. Yeah, what's um, under here? Yeah, binging is a cover story. Absolutely. There's something else. There's always something else yeah. that I need to dig into. Yeah, we were talking when we caught up about the book that I had read, and I haven't got, I should have got it out, I can't remember the author, but it's called, it's not about the horse. Mm. It was about this guy in America that runs, I guess, therapy, equine therapy, 
um, yeah. and assisted learning through horses because horses are a really powerful mirror to human mm. behaviour. So people would go and interact with the horse and he would observe the interaction. Some people would be very scared, some mm. would be very aggressive, and then that would sort of be his leverage into helping with the therapy. Mm. But the thing that stuck with me is it wasn't about the horse. It was about people's yeah. response. The horse was just a mirror. Yeah, and just I, yeah, I've experienced the emotional eating and still do from time mm. to time. And it's, and I say, it's not about the food. Yeah. It's actually the, the food is just a, a representation of what's going on for me. Yeah. And through my journey, so, so when my mum passed away, when I yeah. was 12, we didn't wow. deal with the emotions and my way of dealing was to eat. And so yeah. when I was sad, mm. it was kind of like I didn't know, I, well, I kind of did know I was sad, but I wasn't able to express that, so I would eat. Yeah. Then if I was happy, it was kind of like, oh, the celebration, let's eat. So I used to say, you know, if you look up emotional eating in the dictionary, my name would be there. Yeah. But what I've learned over the, you know, the through a lot of work as well is what's happening when I'm going for food. I know I'm not mm. hungry, yeah. but I'm wanting to comfort myself. Yes. So it's that self-soothing and, you know, still sometimes, you know, I, I do self-soothing with chocolate with yeah. um, and but I don't do it all the time. And so, it's finding out like, okay, where in my body am I feeling that emotion? Yes. What's actually really going on? And if you can identify in your body first, it helps you stop and connect to what's going on. Yeah. What are, I was going to ask you, what are some of the major things that you find that lead people to becoming emotional eaters? Generally, it's some form of childhood trauma. Yeah. So I see storage of body fat on people's body yeah. as yeah. stories. And their stories about themselves of not enough, not worthy, yeah. I'm ugly, I'm yeah. failure, I'm this, I'm that, I'm like all the nasty things that we say to ourselves, but they happen to also eat that, yeah. that story that they've told themselves. Yeah. So for me, it's unraveling all of that story yeah. and taking it all back to the origin story, which is that, that childhood yeah. first story. And then the layers and layers and layers and layers. And sometimes if, they're a client that's in their 50s. I've got years and years and years and years and years and years of layers to go through. Yeah. And that's okay. We just take our time and go through them all. Yeah. We talk too about the psychosomatic therapy, which mm. is the mind-body connection. And yes. I do a similar thing when I observe. I have a very different association with my body mm. now than I did when I was younger. It's about yeah. giving me messages, uh, you know, yes. that, that it's um, telling me a story about what's going on as well. So you know, some of where I'm storing excess energy is yeah. giving me some clues about what might be going on for me and for others what for you my need clients to work through. as well. Yeah, and, and my clients yeah. as well. Do you do hypnotherapy? Are you a hypnotherapist? No, no, no. It's on the to-do list. There's lots of training on my to-do list that I, I, I want to keep that, going. I, yeah, I, I do hypnosis. And mm. that, that helps sometimes people to get to some of that root cause yeah. Some people know it, you know, through asking questions. Some people, I think, and you went, you experienced the mm. hypnotherapy. It's very, very powerful to help yeah. people to. See, mine was more about reprogramming yeah. my brain, yeah. which was important. It needed yeah. to be reprogrammed. It, it, I to, yeah, I think you can do that yeah. as well. And what are some of the strategies then? We, you sort of talked about some of it, Kim, about 
helping to peel back the layers and what is the root the, the, the root cause around things. What are maybe some tips for our listeners that who might be sort of emotional eaters? What are some yep. tips that they could do to help with their emotional eating? The first one is when you're in that position that you're inside the pantry door. Yeah. Think of halt B. So halt B. So halt, usually we stop and I put halt. the B on the end. So halt is, am I actually hungry? H yeah. for hungry. A for angry. Yeah. L for lonely. T for tired. And B for bored. Yeah. There's some basics, but then it could be lack of sleep. Yeah. The kids are sending me crazy. There's like all different layers. Yeah. But if you can get to the halt B part. Yeah, nice. That's a good start yeah. as to just being present. And that's going to take practice. Yeah, yeah. Like practice makes permanent. Yeah. The more that you practice this, uh, I did things like I had a boredom list inside my pantry door because boredom was a big one. So when I opened my pantry door, there was the list of things that I could be doing. Some of them were fun. Some of them were things like cleaning. Go clean the grout in the bathroom. <laughs> so it's doing what I call a pattern interrupt yes, yes. and getting myself out of the environment so that I don't eat half the jar of peanut butter because I could easily do that. Trust me, I could eat the whole thing. So <laughs> now I can have peanut butter and chocolate in my house and there's no issues with it. Oh, so there is progress. I can't get to chocolate. We have to have, um, we have to hide the chocolate. My husband has to hide the chocolate. Mm, what's the Halt. story there that you're telling yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halt B, mm. H for hungry. It could also be for habit. Like yeah. for me, sometimes it's just, and maybe it comes from boredom, but it's almost just like habit. I'll just go and have yeah. a look in the pantry. And I really like that pattern interrupter that you said. You need to do something. To do out of the environment. Get yourself yeah. out of the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. Just so that's, like, I remember a distinct time that I really broke free. So it would be easy for me to go to the service station and get binge food. That's usually where I got my binge food from. And... I was really upset with my mom. We weren't talking at this time and she hadn't contacted me after I sent flowers for Mother's Day and we hadn't spoken for six months and I was really upset and angry that she hadn't done that. And I distinctly remember driving in my car and going, just go to the server and get some things. And I ended up driving to the gym and going to flip a tyre, a big tractor tyre, and that got out my anger and my frustration and my sadness and all those emotions. So that was that pattern interrupt because I knew if I went home or to the service station, it would have ended up. And that was that moment, just because it's so clear on my mind of the time that I really broke free. I'm like, I'm not an emotional eater anymore. I got this. So that one went in the evidence journal yeah. to be able to then go, oh, if I can do that, I can do this. And if I can handle this, I can handle this. So I call it tiny victories. Your yeah. TVs in the back of your journal, there needs to be a list of tiny victories of all the times that you didn't resort to food or you changed your inner dialogue. Or you might have to just say stop to yourself. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Okay, Minnie Mae, stop running the show and put that in your tiny victories. Journaling, I believe, is a big part. Yeah, I and I tell my clients, they're the experts in their life. Get it out on the paper so it's not running around in your brain and you don't eat it. Yeah. So what is it that you need to get out on the paper? What's going on for you? Yeah. Really become present to what's going on. And when you journal it, you might find the answers. That's I love that, being present with what's going on. Mm. So not just doing it out of that automatic pilot, go and eat, eat, and, yeah. not, you know, that unconscious eating. 
unconscious behaviors. So being present, how are you feeling about things and pattern interrupting journaling? I am, I love, love, love journaling. So I think that's a really useful thing as well for people just to be able to capture. And that could be the pattern interrupter as well. Yeah. Movement is the other big one. Definitely movement as well. I've put dining room chairs across my kitchen. Yeah. At the peak of my binging (laughs) to like have some form of physical barrier not to go into the kitchen. Yeah. So yeah. 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 Cleaning your teeth and drinking water. They're most ones people know, but it's yeah, getting some form of movement or journaling. Yeah. That's good. That's really good to do that. So the way that you work with your clients, you said, some you have weekly phone calls with yes yeah you you, and you also mentioned that you tend to do your coaching via phone yeah what's the reasoning for that I find my clients actually and I've done in person like face to face and I've tried with Skype as well and even because I run a Tuesday night class it's called empowered eating masterclass and we're talking about a lot of that personal stuff about 70 percent will have their cameras off and what that enables them to do, they're not visible because a lot of my clients have cover stories around being visible, being not visible and enables them to open up and be authentic. So I allow that space and I find it actually better for the client that they don't have the camera so that they can be real and authentic and just go blah and get it all out and I can find all the little bits and join all the dots together for them and help them. Yeah, that's great. Right. That's that that's really good um to do that when you were talking about it. That I, I don't I do my coaching either in person or online visual, but that's a different, yes. you know, preference for me and I'm not sort of focusing as much on the emotional eating as you. And I may have clients over hundred and fifty kilos. Yeah. yeah. And they're not ready to be seen yet. Yeah. I think that is I really like when we were talking about it, just the differences in how we approach it and the reasoning behind and things. I think that's, I really. So I've got to get, and I've become really good at listening to tonality and the speed of which people talk and their pauses. And there's so much in how much I've got to listen and be present to them to be listening for little subtle cues that don't come out in their language. And there's clues in language as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot around that. What about you? So any more? Oh, you've got a book as well. Yeah. I wanted to do. So you've got a book called Empowered Eating. Eating, Binge Free Forever. So I've got my book. Yeah. I've got lots and lots of videos on YouTube, which most of them actually pulled off Facebook because I used to do a lot more Facebook lives. The Tuesday night class. I've also written two online programs as well for people that aren't ready to do the one-on-one coaching. They can do the online program and it's the seven step formula that takes me about six months with clients to walk them through, but they can do it as a home study because it's got all the videos and the worksheets and everything that they can go through on their own. And if some people aren't ready for that real deep dive in-depth work, they can start it by themselves and then they might upgrade later on to come and do the one-on-one coaching. So there's different ways. I've got eBooks and lots of different ways to be able to help people. I don't, like some people are strapped for cash. Like there's the occasional single mum. She reaches out to me and she's like, but I just can't afford it. I'm like, well, I've got my book, yeah. got lots and lots of videos. You follow any of my social media stuff. I'm always giving lots of information. I've got eBooks. One of my video series is the seven empowered eating sabotages. And I go through all seven of what are the main sabotages. And it's things like the fear of being visible. 
the perfectionism, that I'm not enough. So I go through all of those on that video series and that's just on YouTube. So yeah, I like to give lots of information and educate people because the more people I can educate, the more people I can touch, move and inspire, they can then go on live full lives. And that has that ripple effect to their family, to their workmates, to the community. And it has that ongoing effect to the rest of the world. And I just spoke to one person. Yeah. I know why we've clicked. <laughs> yeah, because we're very, very similar in our passions and our drivers absolutely. and the leverage of why we do what we do and why we get up every yeah. single morning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tell me about when you do get up every single morning. Do you have any daily sort of personal habits, success habits, mindset habits, happiness habits? Always yeah. training. Yeah. Water, three litres of water. That stops the dehydration. Oh, my God. How do... I don't love water. It's really <laughs> hard to drink water. Can you mm. help me with that, please? Can I share a story of a client? Yeah, yeah. So client comes to me, I don't drink water. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah, yeah. She, after unpacking heaps, yeah. there was an ego and a sense of significance around the I don't drink water. And once she realised that she was driving that, yeah. she actually changed. So it was, that was going underneath and finding out why. And I mean, she did not drink water at all. I don't know how her kidneys were functioning. I don't know how she was functioning. And maybe it is that reframe, like I talk about food, maybe the water is a way of nurturing yourself. If you can reframe what the water means to you. Yeah, yeah. Because our bodies are 70% water and to drink a cup, at least two litres of water a day, then that's respecting your body and giving it what it needs because you love and nurture your body. Yeah. I'm going to do that because I'm going to do that. (laughs) And I've just written down here, why don't I drink water? A good little game to play, if I don't know if you've ever played it, set the alarm for four minutes Yeah. and keep asking yourself, why don't I drink water? Why don't I drink water? Why don't And keep, just fill out a whole page or two about why you don't drink water. You'll find a couple of themes come up and circle them Yeah. and you might actually find the answer there as well. And I find when I do something like that around not just why don't I drink water, but mm. other limiting beliefs. Yeah. Often, why can't I do X? So it's the same, really. Why can't I drink water? When you first start, they're often the superficial things that yeah. come up. You know, yeah. I don't like it. You know, I don't feel thirsty. I, yes. You know, water's boring. You know, to me, they're <laughs> superficial things. But then if you sit with it, and a lot of people find this next bit a bit tricky to go, Actually, what else? Hmm. What else? What else? And to, I like how you said, you know, set that four-minute hmm. timer. Don't just stop at. You're not allowed to. I don't, yeah, I've done it at, you know, for 30 seconds. Yeah. Answer. It's just like, what else is underneath that? And if you can get a kid or a friend or a partner or someone in your life yeah. to do it for you and just keep drilling you, not letting you pause, mm. it's super helpful. But if people are doing it on their own. And it's probably a, a, a useful thing too for listeners. Consciously, I know absolutely water is good for you. Mm. I know that your body needs water. 
I know it's a way of nurturing, but there is still a blocker for me around water. And for other listeners, it might be a blocker around something else. You can sometimes get to the answer yourself, but that's mm. why I think we come in as coaches. Yeah, that's why we have our jobs is to that's right. yeah, that we're be the one with the torch going, inspecting the situation, going, oh, what's in this dark corner? What's in this dark corner? Yeah, and it might be something, you know, that you sort of go, oh, I don't drink a lot of water, but that might be representing a whole lot of other stuff that yes. you can work with. So I'm going to um, focus on that. But also... A first yeah. other question would be, what was your mum's relationship with water? Yeah. She may have had, like my client that I was talking about, some form of sense of significance from not drinking water and it's been modelled to you. Yeah. What if you don't know? I don't know. My answer to that would be, I don't know. I don't know what my mum's. And yeah, because you lost yeah, your mum at 12. She passed away when I was, yeah, so at that very formative. Mm. So you, that might not be the clue there. Mm. For somebody. Yeah. So it's about, isn't it? It's exploring, putting the spotlight on different parts. Yeah. And it's not always getting a specific answer from, it's like, okay, we don't get a response there. Let's have a little look. Somewhere Let's look else. somewhere else. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you drink your three, you, you do, your you could use a vanity driver that you want. Like for me, it's about also my skin looking good. Yeah. 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 No, I get all, like, I know the reasons why. I know. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so you drink three litres of water a day. Ah, uh, yes, we were going through my morning. Yeah, that's what I, sorry, I hijacked <laughs> that with my um, personal therapy session. Always <laughs> self-development. And now with a little one, it's doing it in the car, like driving. I'm in my car at least every day. Yeah. So I always listen mainly to audio books, yeah. but podcasts as well. So that enables me to just get that self-development. Like I'm always wanting to learn. Learning is a high value. Yeah. And I'm a student of my car. Yeah. We all have that dead time. Let's use it appropriately. Yeah. Like listening to your podcast, which I hope people are in their cars right yeah. now listening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the healthy food, think food that nourishes my body. Yeah. And just really taking care of myself. So every week I set time aside to journal and meditate and prayer. Yeah. And that's my downtime. Yeah. yeah. And I've got an agreement with my husband when my little girl was born that we each got our time out to do, go do things. Okay. He goes play slot cars and I go have a float or I have a massage or a day spa or get my nails done, hang out with girlfriends, have some me time, some quality me time. Not enough mothers give themselves permission and work with their partner to be able to do that. And you can't give from empty. If you keep pushing and pushing and pushing, if you don't nurture your soul, because I love that phrase, nurturing your soul, then unfortunately you're going to crack. You're going to bite someone's head off. Or uh, if you're someone that doesn't have that form of aggression, you're going to just suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and drink it or eat it or shop it away or whatever unresourceful behavior. But also, can I go on a bit of spiel about nutrition? Yes. Okay. So I talk a lot to my clients about nurturing their soul and what the premise behind that is, that it reduces their cortisol level. So when we're in fight or flight response mode, so that's when we are really stressed over this and that and this and that, then our body wants the fastest using fuel source, which is carbohydrate. And that's why if you're stressed, you're craving chocolate. Hmm, this might be a key for you. So fats, unfortunately, they take a long time to burn and carbohydrate is the yes. best fuel source because we're born to fight or flight. So 
instead of reaching for the chocolate, you need to actually de-stress. So if there's not enough carbohydrate left in our body, then we will chew our muscle stores. And obviously I'm coaching women in the strength space. I want them to have as much muscle as they can and not burn it away because they're stressed. The body's in fight or flight response mode, needs carbohydrate to fight. Then not enough carbohydrate, then we'll use muscle stores and never, ever, ever touch fat stores. And that's why when you're highly stressed, it's very, very difficult to lose weight or shift weight, as I like to say, because if you lose something, you try and find it. So therefore, let's put on the sunscreen before we get sunburnt and reduce our cortisol levels on a weekly basis. Do something, a five-minute meditation. If I, if that's all we can get, that's something to bring those cortisol levels down so you're not in fight-or-flight response mode and only using carbohydrate. So that's my little lecture for everyone. And do you know what? I wish the 12... 13, 14, 15, 16 through to 30 year old me mm. had heard that because that is exactly in that fight flight. For me, it was freeze mm. mode. Yeah. It was just that numbness of, oh my God, you know, my mum's passed away. I just don't even know how to do life. You know, I would, I became very capable, very strong, but I was in that freeze mode. But you were very young as well. Yeah. Yeah. And cortisol levels, the stress levels, had I had learned some different strategies then, but you know what, that's part of my journey. There's no point in going back and saying, you know, only, but you can move forward and change that moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have actually learned that since, but that's the whole you know, when you were talking before about patterns of behaviour, for me, it is the overwhelm and the stress. Yeah. So when I am feeling stressed for whatever stress that is, carbohydrates, please. Yeah. 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 It's, carbohydrates. We're please. biologically made to do this because Actually, we're made to fight or flight. Yes. And do you know what? I don't even say please. It's just like, give me the fucking carbohydrates. <laughs> now. Um, now. And watch out anyone that gets in their yeah, way. That's right. And unfortunately, nowadays, like with our phones and emails yeah. and we're accessible, it may not seem like people go, oh, I'm not really stressed. I'm like, mm. you've yeah. got demands from your boss. Yeah. You've got your phone dinging in the background. Yeah. You've got stuff at home that you haven't dealt with. Yeah. You've got relationship issues. Your teenage kid is driving you mental but you're not stressed, but you've got all this low-level constant stress happening. That's why we need to do this. This is the sunscreen before the sunburn. Love it. Oh, my gosh, Kim, we could (laughs) talk forever and ever and ever. I really enjoyed that. Can you just quickly, we've got all the details in the show notes, but where can people find you? We've got, you're on Instagram. Instagram, Kim Stevenson for Marcus. Uh, Facebook, which is Transformations by Kim. I've got my website, which is transformationsbykim.com. Yeah. I've started TikTok, but I'm not <laughs> like the best at it. I'm still learning. I'm a student of technology. Yeah. yeah. But usually it's Facebook and Instagram that I hang out most. And yeah. then everything that I do, I always put up on YouTube as well so that people can listen in the car. So a lot of my videos, you don't actually have to. Yeah be watching me it's more listening to whatever concept that I'm teaching you yes do not that's exactly the same for me so even for people listening to this podcast Mm. our video is on YouTube yeah people so I know some people prefer to watch rather than 
listen um yeah. but they can also listen to that in the car so but all the details if you didn't catch that all the details are in the show notes for for people they can find you yes. um, and of course you. get my book off uh, my website so if you want a copy of my book yeah empowered eating binge free forever it's in on the book and it's not just a normal book where you read it so how I wrote it was I shared a little bit about my story yeah. in each of the chapters so there's my story how that plays out for a client and then like a workbook. So there's an activity after every chapter. There's 12 chapters and there's 12 activities so that you can take the concept that I've taught you and what you've learned and actually apply it to your own life instead of just going, oh, that's a cool concept without actually implement. Because we can be learnaholics if we want to be, but the success comes from the implementation. And that's why I have those activities so that people can implement what they're learning. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we are just soul sisters. I am <laughs> yes. absolutely about the queen of practicality and results. It's about the teaching, the sharing information. But for me, the transformation happens when you actually do something with that yes. and you apply it. So we are just absolute soul sisters. So thank <laughs> you. I loved that and hugs and big happiness. Yes. Yeah. Love talking to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, Come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.